This is Yergi. And today we're doing Mona Fandy. Who's Mona Fandy? Mona Fandy is a Malaysian, well, I wouldn't really call her a serial killer, though she's she's probably Malaysia's most famous killer, from she's, what I understand, as she was a former pop singer. And then became a witch. And became a witch. I, well, I guess you could call her a witch. Witch I don't with, know. with a quotation she marks called herself. It. She called herself a shaman. I think she was just a swindler, but that's just me. Well, we'll we will get into that. First, if you're <laughs> if you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Yes, it goes a long way. We really appreciate it. And uh, if you want to support us, links are down below for Patreon and PayPal. We're trying to save up money to get a new laptop and a camera, so you can see our pretty faces. Mm. But I don't really have any other housekeeping notes. I don't so. either. So, so without further ado, Mona Fandy. Mona Fandy. <laughs> Mazna Ismail, better known as Mona Fandy, was a pop singer, witch doctor, and murderer from Malaysia. She was executed on November 2, 2001 at the age of 45 after being convicted of the murder of a politician, Maslin Idris, in 1993. Mona's stint as a pop singer was short-lived. It was during this time she adopted the stage name Mona Fandy to boost her popularity. Her career did not really take off, but she still managed to come up with one self-sponsored album entitled Diana. They pronounced it like Diana or something. Diana. It made a few television appearances. She was also a water ballet dancer during her youth. So is water ballet kind of like synchronized swimming or? I don't know. I'm not familiar with that at all. Sounds pretty cool. And I watched one music video for one of her songs and and it looked like a top of the pops performance and it sounded like something you'd listen to in a Thai restaurant. Yeah, I definitely got the I'm having my green curry and pad thai type of vibe. Yeah. It was lovely. It made me really hungry. Yeah, I'm not very familiar with Malaysian music so I don't know if this would have been considered good or if she was just bad and that's why her career didn't work but we'll play we'll, we'll play, play one of the ends. songs yeah we'll play one of the songs towards the end and uh, I liked it you can you can hear it for yourself <laughs> so after leaving the music business she became involved in spiritual witchcraft activities and was known to be a bomo a local shaman so I guess bomo is a local shaman yes. okay she began offering her services to clients mostly from the upper class society. She also claimed to have provided politician clients in the ruling United Malays National Organization or the UMNO party with a variety of charms and talismans. It was reported that Maslin Idris, a state assemblyman for the constituency of Batu Talam in the state of Pahang wanted to boost his political career and sought the services of Mona for assistance. Maslin was educated in the United States and was an ambitious politician from the ruling Malay National Organization Party. At that time, Mona worked with her husband, Muhammad Noor Afandi Abdul Rahman, and their assistant, Jeremy Hassan. Mona and her husband promised to help Maslan by giving him a talisman consisting of a cane and sabatmi headgear, which was supposedly owned by former Indonesian President Sukarno. Mona convinced Maslan that he would be invincible if he held the talisman. In return, Mona demanded 2.5 million 
million ringgit, which I believe is the Malaysian the currency. currency. Maslam paid the couple 500,000 ringgit as deposit and then gave them 10 land titles as surety for the remaining 2 million. Seems like insane money. I'm not really sure what the conversion rate is yeah. between USD and Malaysian ringgit, but that seems like a lot. Idris later approached Mona for supernatural help to boost his political career and climb the party ladder. He was persuaded by the couple to take part in a ritual in which he had to lay on the floor with his eyes closed waiting for the money to fall from the sky. No money fell. Instead, it was the blade of an axe. Idris was decapitated and then dismembered and partially skinned. His body was found cut up into 18 parts and buried in a hole near Mona's home in the state of Pahang, about 130 kilometers northeast of Kuala Lumpur. Maslan was reported missing on July 2nd, 1993 after he had withdrawn 30,000 ringgit at that time, about 12,000 US dollars from a Kuala Lumpur bank. The day after the killing, Mona went on a shopping spree in Kuala Lumpur and later bought herself a Mercedes-Benz and had a facelift. When questioned, Jeremy made a statement to the police which led to the discovery of Maslan's remains. Unsurprisingly, Mona and her husband immediately became the prime suspect. So what is not mentioned is the fact that Jeremy was pulled over out of his mind on drugs. I'm not sure what drugs, but he had a bunch of drugs in his car and he was high. And for those that aren't aware with how drug crimes are in Malaysia, you can be punished by hanging just for trafficking drugs. Even in Thailand. Yeah, in Thailand as well. In a lot of places in Asia, even if you have weed on you, I I mean, I don't know if this is the same way in Malaysia now, but there was a period of time where you could hang for having weed on you. It was that strict at the time. I feel like probably what happened is he was out of his mind. He was already facing the death penalty and just started confessing to shit, hoping that it would help him. That's my speculation anyway. But the motive for the murder was money. It it just seems weird because she was already getting paid a bunch of money just to be a consult to all these rich politicians. But she and her husband and this dude beheaded this guy for, you know, a Mercedes Benz and a quick shopping spree. And a facelift. Yeah, and a facelift. Which which didn't look good after. Looks terrible. Even at age 45, she looked like she was age 65. It was a pretty bad facelift. It was a pretty bad facelift. And no surprise after this trial became public it led to calls for witchcraft to be outlawed in Malaysia. Mona Fandi gained more notoriety than she had been when she was still a pop singer. There was wide local and even international media coverage and plenty of public interest. Anti-death penalty movements, including Amnesty International, voiced their opposition to the execution of the trio. So Mona, Afandi, and Jeremy were tried before Judge Datuk Mokhtar Siddin, sitting in the Temerlo High Court in 1995. Charged with murder under Section 302 of the Malaysian Penal Code, a crime which carries a mandatory death sentence. The trial was a media sensation. Mona and Afandi were an attractive couple in their late 30s, accused of a gruesome voodoo-related murder. Mona had a penchant for wearing expensive outfits to court each day. Unlike most people on trial for her life, she always had a smile for the media and seemed to revel in the attention. So I really wouldn't call this a voodoo-related murder. Voodoo is very specific regionally to East Star, excuse me, West Africa, 
in the very, Caribbean. Very so, specific culture. Very specific culture. But that's what they were accusing uh, her accusing of. of yes. Yeah, yeah. This is not us saying it was murder. That's, this is research wise. That, that's how they made it sound in the media, which mm-hmm. is it's just kind of funny looking back on it. Anyway, the case lasted sixty five days and heard evidence from seventy six witnesses because apparently you can get seventy six witnesses to a murder. I'm assuming it was people who saw her shopping. The prosecution told the court that money was the motive for the killing and pointed to the shopping spree, the facelift, and the Mercedes. Jeremy testified against Mona and Afandi and revealed the gruesome details of the murder. It was alleged by the prosecution that Maslon had been killed between 10 p.m. on July 2nd and 12 midnight on July 18th, 1993. And I'm so bad with Malaysian pr- pronunciation. All right, I'm going to try it. Yeah. So, Kampong Peruas, Uludong, Rab, and Pahang State. His body was found on July 22nd, 1993. Thank you, by the way. Buried <laughs> 1.8 meters beneath the storeroom of an uncompleted house and sealed over with a concrete cap. So July 2nd and July 18th. It's a stretch. That's a big range. It's interesting they wouldn't be able to find if he was dismembered, partially skinned and buried in Malaysia, which is a very moist area. You'd know within that two week period based on decomposition. You would think so. But what I've also read is that his body was stashed in 18 different locations. This is the problem with translated stuff is you don't know exactly what the details are but I have read from a couple sources that his body was stored in 18 different areas or buried in 18 right. different or areas. Right, he was at least in 18 different pieces. So maybe the fact that he was dismembered so much made it difficult but I don't think it took them very long to find the body. No, I, because I, they I, got ratted on. Yeah, I think she was arrested very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't even a week I believe. Yeah. So Afandi in his defense said Maslin owed him two million ringgit for a magic cane talisman and a traditional hat. Mona testified that she also gave talismans and charms to several other UMNO politicians to boost their popularity with the electorate. It only took the seven member jury just 70 minutes to reach a unanimous verdict of guilty against all three defendants. Afendi and Mona smiled when the foreman of the jury delivered the verdict on the 9th of February 1995. Gulam Mustafa Nadar Ali Khan, who represented Mona and Afandi, was invited to offer mitigation but declined and said they would be lodging an appeal. Jeremy's counsel, Karpal Singh, told the court that his client was only 24, unemployed, and of low intelligence. The judge then asked them if they had anything to say before he passed sentence, and Afandi and Mona replied that they would leave to the discretion of the court. He then passed the death sentence on each of them, that they be taken from court to a recognized prison and later be hanged till they were dead. After hearing her sentence, Mona said, I am happy. Thank you to all Malaysians. She was photographed smiling as usual, and she was led from court to prison. She would she'd make weird comments like this. She really, really did. She said, oh, look at all my adoring fans and just random shit like that while she was in court. And every single picture that you'll ever find of her online, she has this big, goofy smile. She's smiling, and she's wearing very expensive outfits. Yes. Their appeals were heard by Malaysia's highest sitting court in Kuala Lumpur. The appeal process had started in June of 1998, but then had been adjourned until 1999 after legal arguments on the admissibility of Jeremy's statement to the police, which led to the discovery of Maslin's body. On the 13th of April of 1999, all three appeals were dismissed and the death sentences upheld. In April of 2001, the Pardons Board turned down their pleas for clemency, leaving the way to their executions. They deal with things pretty quickly 
scene yes, in Malaysia, apparently. They don't fuck around. The hangings were set for dawn on Friday, the 2nd of November, 2001. That's fast. Holy mm-hmm. shit. In Kajang Prison. On the previous day, Mona and Afandi were allowed an eight-hour visit with about a dozen members of their families. It was reported that they spent the last hours advising their children from both their own marriage and previous marriages to grow up and to be good people and to take care of themselves well. A senior prisons officer had said there was a lot of crying and hugging as they spoke to their children and family for the last time. It was also reported that Mona had said she would never die just before she was executed. It's not known what she meant by that. It is normal practice in Malaysia for condemned prisoners to be given the food of their choice for the last meal. However, this offer was declined. Apparently, according to prison sources, they were very calm, saying very little and requesting nothing in their last hours. We heard something else, Yeah, I heard that she requested KFC as her last meal. I've read that a couple times, actually. That's delicious. KFC. KFC is delicious. I haven't had it in a very long time, unfortunately. I haven't had it in a very long time either, just because, you know, we've been on a a healthy eating kick, but I love love fried chicken so much. Yeah, it's very good. It is very good. Before dawn on Friday morning, the trio were each handcuffed and hooded in their holding cells adjacent to the execution chamber and then led down the gallows with its three British-style nooses dangling from a metal beam. On the trap, their legs were strapped and the nooses adjusted around their necks. At 5.59 a.m., the drop fell and the three of them were plummeted down. The execution would have been witnessed by a small number of guards and officials and the prison doctor. The press and the general public are excluded. Though I don't know this for certain because it's been a long time since I've done any research on Malaysia, but I think public executions there weren't in the far recent past. Like, it wasn't too long ago, but I don't know this for certain. I'm not sure if this was a high... Pro- if it is still legal there, I don't know. Let me know. If it is legal, I'm not sure if this was too high... Pro- profile of a case or not but that was something that I was kind of curious about why they didn't make this one a public one. Yeah, the bodies were left hanging for an hour before being taken down for autopsy and then burial. Mona and Afandi were buried in a cemetery in Kajang later that morning, while Jeremy was buried in his hometown of Port Klang in the Tek Gong Muslim Cemetery that afternoon. So why do they leave the bodies hanging for an hour? I don't know. In ye olden days, they did it to serve a warning to people who... Right, but if this wasn't public... Then what's the point, yeah. right? I don't get it. Maybe to make sure they're dead, kind of like we do here in the States, where you have to be with a funeral director for 48 hours before they'll release the body. Yeah. At least in Maine. So maybe they left <laughs> we, them hanging to make sure we, they were dead before we, burial. We cut one down once at, at the 50-minute mark, and they just got up and walked off. We had to shoot them. The last female executed in Malaysia had been Tan B. Lee in 1994 for a drug trafficking offense. So this has been covered in media in 2002, Malaysia. Film director Amir Muhammad made a short film entitled Mona in his shorts, but it's spelled six H O R T S. It's a series, so I'm assuming that's why the six. In 2006, a film by Dane Iskandar Said entitled Dukin, D U K U N, Duckin, was widely assumed to be based on Mona Fandy. So this film was released in April of 2018. That's a long time for a film to be in post-production. There was no public screenings from what I understand due to the concerns related to the contents of the film and the relationship between Mona Fandy and the implications for her family. I haven't watched this. I am curious about it. It got 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. We should try to find which it Which isn't bad. So I would be interested in that for sure. I've never watched a Malaysian film before. So that would be something to mark off the bucket list and apparently duckin means shaman 
in English. I did not know that. Yeah, if we uh, screwed up any pronunciations, please, please butcher us in chat. Is it not Mona Fandy? Is it Fonde? I don't know. I couldn't find anyone saying, well, everybody said it differently. And there wasn't a lot of information on this case. Like, you'd think that there'd be a lot of information there on the internet, but there wasn't really. Some of these major cases in Asian countries, they just don't seem to make it stateside or get translated to English. It's only, what, the Hello Kitty murder probably had the most translations yeah. out of everything we looked up. And that wasn't even the most grotesque one or the one with the most body count. I just think that murders that happen in Asian countries just don't usually get translated and are just now starting to in this day and age. I do know just from some of the research that we did, she had like several mansions that are now in disrepair and people do urban spelunking in there. Oh, really? They were all abandoned? Yeah. I'll have a couple of pictures I can throw up um, in the Facebook group. She had quite a few children. I'm surprised they didn't inherit them through yeah. her estate. When... Maybe they were taken away. Yeah, maybe. Maybe when you're arresting criminal charges in Malaysia, they take literally everything you have. I, I don't know. That wouldn't be uncommon. I don't know. In, in a place like that. Fans so. from Malaysia, let us know. Yeah, please fill us in. I would one day like to see Kuala Lumpur. I'd like to go to Malaysia. Yeah, I think it would be interesting. I'd be a little worried that I'm going to like fuck up some custom or something like that. I'm going to accidentally have a big bag of weed on me. And, and you're going to die. And then I'm going to die. Because, yeah, we smoke all this weed. We smoke all this weeds. It's like another thing Drewby's allergic to, I think, anyway. I've, I've only had a good high like maybe three or four times in my life. I'm just too old for it now. Yeah. It, Unless it's like an edible and I'm in the comfort of my own home. Like, it, I just don't smoke anything anymore. Some dude bro's like, bro, you're just smoking the wrong strain. They give me another strain and it does the same thing to me almost every time which is i sink into the couch and i have the worst sleep of my life it's awful i don't know how people are using this to get to sleep because it's as if i don't enter rem sleep i wake up and i'm not rested and i just feel like shit my body's heavy it's just not good I can get to sleep with it, but before that, I start contemplating all the mysteries of the world, and I start becoming very paranoid and critical of the most minute things. The only times I have, I've had good highs, people told me it was old weed. It was like year-old weed. I smoked it, and I felt really good and really sharp for 15 minutes, and then it just went away, and I felt slightly worse than before I smoked it. So I had something similar. A friend of mine hooked me up with um, a vape vaporizer pen and it came with some oils that had this sativa blend in it and it worked really well for me i was completely functional and the high only lasted about 15 minutes yeah and i enjoyed that it like helped my anxiety it actually had i was a lot more focused it was it was really kind of good for me and then it broke for me personally it's just a waste of time like yeah. doing all that just for 15 minutes and i don't even get the the effects afterwards at least with mushrooms after the come down i feel like i've been anointed in some way i feel i feel so rejuvenated but weed it just takes something from you at least for me i know it's a lot of people it helps and i'm not against legalization go ahead do it if it helps you but it's it's never been useful for me i don't think i have anything else about the case so no i don't either yeah quarantine update we're still alive we don't have the covids that we know of maybe we got it last week every time yes. i go out i'm just like this is it this is the time I catch the plague. And people have been so irresponsible. Incredibly irresponsible. So I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I mean, we did. We did talk about it last time. I'm going to talk about it again. Yeah, we can touch on it a little bit. When we bit go if this over to Great Falls 
and everyone's like up in our shit. Yeah, everybody's out. Few people are respecting social distancing. There are some people that have, and I and I respect that, but a lot of people are not. And a lot of people are going out because they're being told they shouldn't go out. And these people who would never take a walk in their life are now going outside just to give the middle finger, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, my sister Ashley, she was all like, I'm going to go run on the walking trail. I see you guys go there all the time. I'm like, don't go there. She's like, why? I'm like, because everyone's there. Yeah, like I'm like, we literally sit in the car, run out of the car, take a little video for like Snapchat and then run back to the car. That's all it is. That's all it is. I remember we were out, we walked the walkway just a little bit because there wasn't many people and I had to keep looking over my shoulder and I was like, there's somebody coming down the hill and there's three bikers coming behind us so we have to step off and I just treated everybody as they had this passive aura of infect disease. This you know, was it, D&D it, or it, some sort of MMO. Yeah, and this was Yergi's case, WoW, or in my case, like D&D or Conquer Online or any, any garbage D&D. game played. Well, yes, yes, you did play D&D, that's true. We've played D&D together. We have. It was like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck people right now. The Hannaford 2-Go seems to be off the fucking chain right now where you can't even make a appointment. I respect that people are doing that. I don't think I, everybody knows what Hannaford 2-Go is. So we should probably explain that. Yeah, so it's basically curbside delivery. You sit by the grocery store and they come out and they bring you your shit. But I think the reason why a lot of people are doing this is not necessarily because they believe COVID is real, but it's because they don't want to wait in line. I don't want to wait in that line. I did that last week for Easter. It was and there, terrible. And there was an old man shouting about how the Hannaford workers aren't maintaining six feet distance. So why should he have to? And I've heard other things like this people in lines at Walmart just shouting and making a fit saying this is America and they don't have to stand six feet apart in Nazi Germany if they don't want to. Just weirdo shit like this. What is it? Ohio or it was either Ohio or Iowa. Maybe it was Wisconsin. One of those three states. A bunch of people gathered on the state capitol steps and just banging and shouting at the door telling them to reopen. Like what are you doing? I can't with these people right now. I really can't. We we are doing Hannah for two go today though we have to drive 45 minutes away to get our groceries yeah because there's no curbside delivery in lewiston or auburn or turner so it's all it's all booked up so we're going to our our nation's capital yeah our our state our state's capital which is a pretty shitty place the only reason it was made the capital back in the day because maine's so huge and the highway system's so fucked so they made the halfway point for everyone to travel the state's capital so every representative from every town would have about the same distance to go. Do you know that? Well, I did know it It was initially Portland. It was. But Portland kept burning down and Portland was known collectively as Falmouth back then. Not the Falmouth we know now. Yeah, Portland's always catching fire. But in the modern day, it's Lewiston that's always catching fire. (laughs) Because of all those those old buildings. All these derelict buildings. Or the Bates Mill burning. Yeah. That was that was quite fun to watch. I enjoyed that. I clocked out early out of the call center we used to work at and drove down there and just sat and watched it burn. It was, was kind of sad because I used to walk through there and shit and explore it a little bit. But <sighs> another part of Lewiston history gone. There's more businesses closing. There are. Like oh, I'm the, so the, sad. The only Quebecois restaurant, which is Pierrette's in the Auburn Mall, is closing today. And granted, there's not much I can have there because a lot of it has 
gluten or pork in it. But I respect the fuck out of anybody trying to breathe Franco-American heritage back into Lewiston, which is called Little Canada for a long time or Little Quebec to the point where people that are not from around here think there's still a thriving French population in Lewiston. It's been dead for a long time. You don't hear people speaking French no more. I did when I was younger. I don't hear people speaking French no more. When I was in Quebec City, in Quebec, I was going through the tallest building in Quebec, just being a tourist or whatever. And this tour guide walks up to me, starts speaking French to me. And I said, I'm sorry, like my French is abysmal. I apologize. He's like, oh, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Maine. He's like, where in Maine are you from? I was just in a gunkwit and it was beautiful there. And I said, oh, I'm from Lewiston. He's like, oh, Lewiston, that's the most French place in Maine. That's the, there's a thriving French population there, isn't there? And I'm like, oh, God. Well, actually, so there is. There actually, is. it's been dead. It's dead, but it's still done at home. Like, you don't see it so much out and about. I mean, I guess where I'm a little older than you, like, I saw it a little bit more growing up because I worked in Lewiston and there were still people coming in and all sitting and speaking French together, all these little memes and stuff. And you'd still see it out and about. On my father's side, where they are French, you know, I see it. Well, yeah, at home, you'll probably speak to the older generation that way. And I and I agree with you. When you were growing up, you probably saw it just like I saw it. Because I'm speaking from my younger years. I heard people speaking French. I saw more of that stuff. But it's mostly older people. They're not really teaching our generation French. And our generation isn't speaking it freely as previous generations were. And there's not really any, like, French-owned businesses anymore. It's not the population that it used to be. I think that's everywhere, though. So I know it's an issue in Iceland. A lot of people don't teach their kids Icelandic anymore. Really? Or they, it's becoming a problem. They speak English? Yeah, they speak That's English crazy. mostly. I don't think it's everywhere. I mean, I heard like Bensonhurst in New York, which is Little Italy. Everybody speaks Italian there. Your kids learn Italian. Yeah. You know, I, I just think there's still pockets of America where there was immigrant communities and they're still keeping the tradition. I think, yes, it's dying out more frequently than it did in generations past, but I don't think it's dying out everywhere across the board. Well, yes, like places in New York where there are bigger immigrant communities, you're going to see that like, you know, in Brooklyn, you're going to have people speaking Hebrew and Russian and stuff. But yeah. biggest Jewish population in the world is in New York City. Yes. Out here, I'm just speaking in general, more, I wouldn't want to say rural, but like suburban areas, like outside of larger cities, they're more assimilated. Think about it now. Right now, we have the biggest immigrant group in the area are the Somali populations and the, the people from Africa that are over here. Yeah. I'm just saying people from Africa because it's not more than just Somalis now. We have Ethiopians. There's people from the West Coast of Africa. You see it now. Everybody's like speaking their own like native languages and everything. But when you start getting into the other generations, they're going to speak English more and more and more. It's probably true. Yeah. And they're it's not probably teach true. Their kids. But I think that that just like when the French first immigrated here, yeah it's going to carry on for a few generations before that happens. I mean, if you just think about it, if the French community was starting to die out one generation, two generations previous, where we start to see the decay, the French immigrated here hundreds of years ago, right? It was like 1800s, 1700s, 1700s. Yeah, late, late. Well, I mean, Green was founded in 
in the late 1700s. Yeah, but not by French people. The Boubiers were one of the first people. That's a French name. Oh, Boubier. And then the Mowers, who are who are Irish. Those are the two I always uh, thought the area families. was generally like an Irish area before. Yeah, I thought like Lewis and Auburn and everything. That whole... Oh, oh, you thought it was generally Irish immigrants. Mm-hmm. It's not unreasonable to think. You think of how far we are from Boston. That's a huge Irish community. Yeah. But it's also, there's Italian community there too. So I don't know. I, I think as far as the French... French are concerned they first immigrated up where is Canada now and then some of them came down to work further south yeah and now that's how we had a French community here I, I don't remember where I was going oh yeah 18 18 17 I, was, I, I think it was late 17 if I had to guess late 17 early 18 but they've been here for a while yeah and this tradition has carried on for this long that I don't think with the Somali population it's going to die out that quickly I don't see it dying out in our lifetimes that's for sure Anyway, that's all I have. Oh, I should do the Apple podcast reviews. Okay, so this first one is from Canada. It is awesome podcast. Great dive into sometimes dark topics from the whimsical to the truly macabre. There's something for everyone. And that's from Real B. Thank you from the great white north. I hope once COVID is over, I can finally cross the borders again. Which, by the way, I have to send in for my passport. You do. It's expiring like next month. Because I'm really sad about this whole COVID thing because I went and got my passport this summer. So I specifically could go to Montreal and guess who hasn't gone yet yeah. it's like everything is just fucking me whoops fucking COVID-19 ruining any plans I have for this year hey hopefully this all blows over and we don't have a second wave and I can just go to Japan next year like I've been wanting to because I haven't seen cherry blossoms in four years I've never seen them I remember the last day I saw them too I remember it vividly man it feels like these places I used to go in Seattle are right down the street that's how my brain registers it and when I was in Seattle it felt like home here in Maine was was a drive away it was so weird how my brain was like processing it I don't know if that happens to other people that move to the other side of the country but to me that's how it is anyway love this finally a podcast that mirrors my personality thank you love Love the chemistry, love the topics, love the host, love having a new great show to listen to. That's from Glenn Rock. Thank you so much. And this last one, the straight dope. This dynamic duo does just that. Give you the straight dope. No punches pulled. The hosts are candid and funny and the topics are interesting and not just your typical podcast fare, which is great. And that's from Jay from the Stuff You Don't Need to Know podcast. Shout outs to Jay. That is quite the review. So if you want to have your review read and shouted out, you just have to go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a written review and a five star and we will shout you out here on the podcast also again if you're listening on youtube please like and subscribe holy fucking shit we are starting to close in on 300 subscribers which feels really weird because getting the first 100 was hard and then 200 just seemed to come overnight it's very weird but now we're approaching 300 and it's gonna be just some time before we hit a thousand and get that sweet monetization money. But if you would like to support us, you could go to our Patreon and hear all of our secret episodes that we do. I think we'll be recording another one here soon. And you will get postcards and snaps from us. And I think that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I just bought a whole bunch of new postcards yesterday, so those should be coming in the mail shortly. I got a bundle from Courtney at Quiet City Books. She's doing $15 and $20 bundles of stationery right now. So if that's something that you're into and you want to send people postcards to try to support the postal service, which is having a pretty hard time right now. Yeah, legit. Go uh, see Courtney at Quiet City on Facebook and she can hook you up with some stationery. She'll mail it to you. And I should also say that any of the money that's been donated to support us or gone through Patreon. We haven't withdrawn any of it yet. We are saving up when we're probably going to have to replace these mic stands soon because they keep falling off. They're they're literally hanging on by a thread right now. Yurgis has broken several times. Mine has broken once and they're barely hanging on. So we're probably going to replace those. We really want to replace this laptop because it's slow. It lags when we record and it doesn't have a whole lot of memory. But what I really want to get is a camera, especially to you listening on YouTube. Don't you want to see our pretty faces? We're pretty attractive, I think. I think so. We just don't have a camera. We did that one video with my um my Logitech webcam. It wasn't very grud. It was, it was not good. It was not grud. We looked stiff and terrible and it was dark. It was just dark. We could get more lights in here, but that's the other thing. I probably have to get some nice backlighting like they do for amateur movie sets. But yeah, we need the camera real bad. So everything that you donate to us or either through Patreon or paypal which if you donate through paypal and you want to get some of the secret goodies we will hook you up but yes. every single thing down to the last cent will go back into this podcast we don't even take the money from that to put to our hosting fees that's out of our own pocket once we save up enough it's either camera or laptop i'm not sure what yet and definitely mic stands we, we need mic stands really bad but the big thing we're saving up is either the camera or the laptop i'm leaning towards the camera but we'll see what happens so yeah if you'd like to support us you know what's up you got anything else that's really all i had we have to get the episode uploaded in a couple hours so why don't we do that but as promised as, as promised, promised we you know, have we, some mona fandy for you yeah we're gonna have yeah yeah fuck our outro music you're gonna hear some mona fandy music so enjoy 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 the sweet little sounds of somebody who's long since been dead but i like it i, I think i think it's pretty cool it's cool all right until yeah. next time i love you bye we love you bye Yeah, my love.